Steps on, going for Fitzgerald, touchdown Arizona. David Johnson off to the races. He will score, touchdown Arizona. And it is Patrick Peterson who comes up with the spectacular interception. Welcome to episode 96 of the British Bird Gang Breakdown, apparently the number one most listened to UK-based Arizona Cardinals podcast in the entire world. Once again, we have ourselves a rather positive game to break down, along with the usual sorts of stuff you have become accustomed to. So as always, I'm Tom, and I wish I was joined by Kyler Murray for this one, so I could profess my love for him in person, but that's not to be the case in these unprecedented times. So I guess Callum will have to make do instead. Yeah, it's a real shame Kyler had to cancel his in-person appearance to the podcast this week. But, um, you know, unprecedented times, unprecedented measures. So you're stuck with me. One week we'll get him, one week. Absolutely. Although I suppose NFL defenses are saying that, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. And, and it's not come true for them yet. But I'm sure it'll come true for us faster. Yeah, I mean, what a week to be a Cardinals fan. It's been uh, something quite quite spectacular i think really and then we're not used to this back-to-back wins thing it's like what's that all about it feels like it's been such a long time since we did back-to-back wins i mean it probably hasn't been that long but you know with like everything that's going on in the world you know it just seems like everything's lasting forever anyway absolutely but before we get on to the uh the win this week um got some sad news yep sad news this week as the cardinals announced the passing of legendary safety larry wilson at the age of 82 now obviously was a player who played his football before both me and you were played like fans yeah who weren't even born either i do remember he made an appearance last year or two years ago at one of the ring of honor inductions i think he's been around the organization for a while yeah. Like, as as a player and outside of being a player. Yeah. And he probably lived in Arizona as well, because everyone does when they retired. <laughs> yeah, it's like a retiree state, isn't it? But, I mean, I think it shows that he, he sort of continued on with the organization because, um, you know, the organization had, well, I would say a, a fairly fitting tribute for him. They uh, had him, they, they had a game ball for him at the end of the game, or the, rather his family. Larry Fitzgerald had the... Uh, the number eight written on his eye black uh, throughout the game. You know, I think it's a, it was just a nice tribute to, to you know, a, a longtime Cardinals player and, and somebody who was involved for the organization for many years. He's one of the handful of players who's had their number retired from the Cardinals. So you'll never see a number eight for him again. Yeah, and he's he has on the Ring of Honor as well. So uh, it, it's like etched there for us to all to remember. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1978, which was his first year of eligibility. Yeah, I think um, getting a first round ballot, like sort of straight into the Hall of Fame, is always a you know um, important thing, and especially for somebody who never won a Super Bowl. Well, as a Cardinal, what does he expect? No one went Super Bowls here. Exactly. Although he was very highly regarded around the league because he was named in both the NFL's 75th year anniversary all-time team and also the more recent NFL 100th anniversary all-time team. Those are pretty big honours, really. I mean, the, the 100th anniversary stuff earlier last year was all, you know, really quite interesting, really quite well thought out stuff, you know, from players throughout the ages. So, 
you know, it really goes to show that he had made an impact in his time there. And especially, you know, coming into the media and stuff afterwards, obviously just helped everyone remember, you know, remember he was there, remember what he did, remember how he played. He was also an eight-time Pro Bowl selection, and he also played his whole career for the Cardinals when they were back in St. Louis. Another St. Louis team that's gone. He was a DB coach, and he also moved into an executive role as well once he retired also holding the VP and GM roles from 1988 to 1993. You can tell I've been on Wikipedia today. <laughs> I mean, it's it really goes to show, though, that it's like not only do you have to be a good player, but you have to just be a sort of an, an all-round good egg, I guess you would say, to kind of stick with an organization that long. You know, the fact that he was, you know, so involved with the Cardinals, even, well, as as quote-unquote recently as 1993, you know, it, it goes to show like a long term career with a lot of long-term prospects definitely sad news though our condolences from the british bird can go out to his family friends yeah absolutely i think a sort of fitting tribute played by um you know players and coaches and it it was nice to see it's nice to see that that people aren't forgotten we do have one more piece of news this week before we move on to the game recap and that's that tight end max williams has moved to ir with an ankle injury, and with the corresponding move, we've activated wide receiver Keyshawn Johnson. No, not that one, from the COVID list. <laughs> I mean, we were quite heavy on tight ends in a way beforehand, and given that we actually seem to be including them in the passing scheme this year, you know, it, it's a shame to to lose out on one, but, you know, as long as Dan Arnold can sort out his holding issues, we should hopefully, hopefully be sorted there and you know, having somebody like Keyshawn Johnson, even if he's just in to play, you know, special teams or be in for special options, um, you know, I'm all for it. As long as he doesn't take Andy Isabella's snaps with fun. Oh, well, after this Sunday, how could you? And speaking of this Sunday, we can talk about yet another Arizona Cardinals victory. Well, I would say quite a convincing victory and almost to the opposite of what I was saying last year. It's actually a more convincing victory than the scoreline even lets on, I would say. Yeah, I'd agree with that because Arizona Cardinals 30, Washington football team 15. Opening out the series against Washington football team 1-0. Precisely. They can never take that away from us. Handed them their first L. Probably by the next time we actually play them, they'll have an official name. It's true, actually, yeah. So it might be the the only game that we ever play against the Washington football team. They've never beaten us, ever. (laughs) For the second week in a row, Tom, we have just a huge list of positives to get through. I know, it's mental. It's so bad, I don't think I can actually think of many negatives from the game, really. But we'll get onto them a bit later. Yeah, I mean, let's let's go through the positives first, because, man, we've got quite a few. And of course, why wouldn't we kick off with anyone other than Kyler Murray? And how long until we actually run out of superlatives to describe him? I, honestly, as well, like I, I occasionally just struggle to find the words to describe, you know, what's going on there, and it's um, it really is just so different to anything that we've seen as Cardinals fans in in a long time. You know, I, I saw a lot of discussion about you know people talking about how this must be how it feels to have a franchise quarterback. I think just in general, he's just an exciting player to watch, isn't he? In like, in my 10 years plus of following the Cardinals, I don't think I've ever had a player where like, anytime he touches the ball, he just like, 
excited to see what he does next. There's literally been no one. In a way, we've had flashes with certain players. I mean, the the one that comes to mind is um, 2015 David Johnson, just after we drafted him. Every time this guy gets fed the ball, we get, you know, 10 yards and it's fantastic. But really, I mean, looking back on it, that was half a season. And we're now at, you know, the the sort of like 1.2 season uh, mark with Kyler Murray and we're seeing just continued improvement, really. I suppose you could also add peak Tyron Matthew into that equation, even though he's a snake bastard these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aside, again, aside from how that ended, you know, he was an electrifying player to watch. But I guess the big difference there with Kyler Murray is that he gets the ball on all but a few select plays where we directly snap it to somebody else, you know? Yeah, it's just any time he has the ball, he can just do anything with it. As we've seen like this past couple of weeks, as we saw last season. And hopefully we see for like the next decade at least. Yeah. I mean, at this point, he's exciting even when he doesn't get the ball. You know, when they're lining up uh, direct snaps and stuff, he's getting off to, to the sides. He's lining up as a wide receiver. And I'm like, look at him. What's he going to do? I just like, I, I firmly believe that he could, you know, catch a, an 80-yard touchdown bomb as well, you know? I mean, it'd have to be him running onto it. I can't see him really many jump balls. Yeah. But I could see him getting the speed to get there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as long as someone's got a strong enough arm to get it to him. Yeah. Who knows what Cliff Kingsley's got dialed up. I mean, we saw some cracking plays like that, but I'm sure we can get onto that later on. But I mean, if we're if we're just sticking with Kyler Murray, let's talk sort of impressive stats, shall we? I suppose we should get the one negative out of the way, which was that silly interception. It was a bit of a silly interception, but I mean, really, what are you going to do? He's He's still a new quarterback. He's no longer a freshman quarterback, I'll give you that, but he is still a new young quarterback and and he's going to make these mistakes and he was also, you know, under pressure and all that sort of stuff and I think that last year's Kyler Murray we would have probably seen at least two interceptions in that game um and a few more penalties for throwing away, but he was just so much smarter about it this time, so I'll still take it as a positive for improvement. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a terrible game by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, we've got to get some negatives in here somewhere. We can't be too positive. We've got to find them. 286 passing yards and one touchdown, which happened to be the first for DeAndre Hopkins in his Arizona career. Should have been his second, but hey-ho. And also, to go with that, he had 67 yards rushing and a pair of impressive touchdown runs. Yeah, really, that's where the the excitement in watching Kyler Murray can come from. You know, we get like 350 yards... Uh, of total offense from him and you know 70 of them are made with his feet i suppose he could have had a third as well but it was nullified due to dan arnold or as we now may call him dan arnhold <laughs> yeah which was a it was a real shame but i mean um i think we still scored on that drive right yeah that was the one where hopkins got his touchdown a couple of plays after that was it. So, you know, I guess no harm, no foul in the end there. But, you are you know, we definitely could have seen yet another Kyler Murray run TD. And it's just something that defenses just seem to not be prepared for. And, I mean, even when they are prepared for him, he can just duke around them. Just got the athleticism to do it. I think we should also talk about his beautiful downfield passes. The one to Christian Kirk on the sideline was particularly great. Yeah. I mean, it's just like... You know, well, and I think that this is this is huge credit to Cliff Kingsbury and his play designs. You know, I think had we had Kyler Murray here and in the Bruce Arians era when we were dialing up kind of more conservative plays and the 
and the big you know deep shots were much more rare and much like um less much more predictable i guess you could say are we talking about brucearians here because that's all he does he's chucked the ball downfield i'm saying that uh he chucks the ball downfield but he, it's um it's much more predictable when he's doing it, you know, but the, the, the sort of plays out of nowhere, I guess you could say are much more rare. And that's what we saw for both of the really big plays this, this uh, week. There's also a deep shot to Andy Isabella, which, I mean, if it had a bit more on it, that would have easily been a touchdown as well. As it was, Andy had to come back for it. Yeah, showing showing a bit of Andy Isabella speed right there and, you know, a bit of versatility to get out there and, you know, having these options is just like what makes this offense so scary, I guess. It's looking kind of, yeah, I'd say it's looking scary. It's not like they're coming up against like really terrible defenses, are they, so far this season? I, I don't think that anybody is looking at the Cardinals and saying, yeah, 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 it's just because they've only played bad teams so far. If we'd just played, you know, both the New York teams or something like that, I'd say they'd have a point. But like 49ers... You know, they were a, a, a title, they were going after the title just like six or eight months ago. And Washington managed to come back from a like 17 nothing deficit and hold the Eagles to no points like the other week. So, yeah, it's definitely been good defenses. And, and the Washington defensive line looked completely nullified. Yeah, I mean, they went from like eight sacks last week to, I'm not sure what they had this week, it was like two, three, maybe. Maybe four if they were lucky. Yeah, they they had some some sort of like moments where they got to the quarterback and they forced some errors a few times, but yeah, they weren't anything like eight sacks. I suppose it's no surprise really then that Kyler Murray was named Player of the Game in our Player of the Game poll on Twitter. I'm surprised it was even as close as it was. I mean, Devondre Campbell did have a good game, so I can see why people did vote for him. But really, Kyler Murray's not going to lose this. One. And if he had, I'd have overruled it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> we might have to start having a like non-Kyler Murray player of the game poll. You know, like, we can have one where he's in it, and then we just have a separate one where he's not, just to sort of, like, sway everyone. Because I, I really think that if this continues on, we're going to have 16 games of Kyler Murray being player of the game. But it'll be 15, wouldn't it, because he didn't win last week. Did he not win last week? No, it was DeAndre Hopkins last week. So it was, so it was. You can have 15 in a row then, I'm sure you won't complain about that. The 16th in a row will be then in the off-season. There you go. Yeah, Bear Gang Ball Awards, he'll just literally win them all. Oh, I, I mean, once we get into the postseason. Oh, yeah, of course, we've got them as well. So, yeah, I mean, we don't want to jinx it just yet, but yeah. may as well write our name on the Super Bowl. <laughs> Speaking of stats that are definitely in the history books, um, we have some seriously good stats that we have just stolen off of Twitter. Good old cards, Mark D, again, bringing us some really good Kyla stats. So, obviously, if he's listening, thanks to that. Kyler Murray is the first quarterback in the Super Bowl era to pass for 500-plus yards and run for 150-plus yards through the first two games of the season. And just think that, in it, you know, he did more than half of that, like more than half of that record in one game. You know, it was so, so much, you know, so close to, to like, point being, he's real good. I think we know that by now, though, don't we? Yeah, we do. We but do. we could just keep repeating it forever and ever. <laughs> the last Cardinals quarterback with two touchdown runs of 14-plus yards in one game was Hall of Famer Charlie Trippy against the Bears on, in December 1951 at Wrigley Field. <laughs> Got to go back in the history books for these records. 
Yeah, I mean, is 51 old enough for us to still be the Chicago Cardinals? I think that would be the St. Louis Cardinals, right? I'm not sure, to be honest, because if it was that, Chicago Bears. Yeah, if they've got the Bears, I'm guessing that the Cardinals are already gone. But, you know, it was one of those things when I started reading that, I was like, Charlie Trippi, is this like one of those, you know, um, weird journeyman quarterbacks that we had in, like, the the 80s and 90s? And I'm like, no, it's just, it's going back so deep. We're, We're so far back right now, 1951. It's a good job people don't come here for a Cardinals history lesson. Yeah, absolutely. That's not our forte. <laughs> we go back a certain degree and then that's it. It's just like blank after that point. Maybe we need to get, you know, a Cardinals history expert on at some point. Is it such a thing? I'm sure there is. I'm sure there must be, for sure. He also becomes the first Cardinals quarterback with a rushing and passing touchdown in consecutive games since Jim Hart in 1969. Rushing and passing TD in consecutive games. Okay, like, so both a rushing TD and a passing TD in each of the two games, okay. At least one of each, yeah. I guess, you know, in in a lot of ways, having a quarterback that can do you both and and having a quarterback who's going to run it in on the goal line is just... You know, or at least somebody who's going to do that every game is quite rare. Especially for the Cardinals anyway, but then again, a decent, competent quarterback's rare enough for us. Absolutely. And this is one is not quite a Kyler stat, but for the offense as a whole, it's the first time since 1979 that the Cardinals have rushed for 160 plus yards in each of the first two games in a season. Take me a while to digest that one. Okay, first time since 1979. So, you know, 40 years. It's quite old, yeah. That the Cardinals have rushed for 160 plus yards in each of the first two games of a season. So it's two games in a row, but it has to be the first game of the season. And the second game of the season, yeah. Still, I mean, like 160 plus yards, I guess that's quite impressive, but it doesn't seem like that much, you know? It's also the sixth game with 400 plus total yards in 18 games under Cliff Kingsbury. Now that I like. I mean, that's just pure offensive production at that point isn't it exactly before him i think we had like maybe one or two games in the previous three two or three years combined it said that's i guess what the stability of the kind of current era i guess is is bringing on you know like we've got we've got a quarterback who the system is built for and around and he's managed to stay healthy um touch wood and we've got you know we've got a head coach who's who's willing to call plays that is you know, bringing us that big yardage. And also the 2020 season marks just the second time in franchise history that the Cardinals have posted 400 plus net yard and 20 plus first downs in each of their first two games of a season. Now we're getting really, really obscure, especially when you start counting numbers of first downs. Um, Last time that happened was in 1976, by the way. So yeah, 45 years uh, to get to this point. But still, I mean, it's... The first downs, you know, really shows the cadence of the game and the pace of the game. The fact we were managing to convert these things all the time, but to get the, you know, the 400 plus yards as well. um, Yeah, it it just, it's good all round offensive production and you just can't be upset with it. I mean, speaking of obscure statistics, I'm sure you've seen the Atlanta one that's going around. That's like one of the craziest stats I've ever seen. So what was it? It was 440 to nothing. Yeah, when teams are scoring 39 points and forcing three turnovers in a game, you were 440 to none. Just absolutely crazy. I was kind of glad I took Atlanta on the plus in the handicap in that though. 
So it's still one, even though they didn't. I sort of, I think I turned away from that game because I think it was finishing once the Cardinals game was on, right? I mean, by the time the Cardinals game had started, I think I think Dallas were like ten points down. Yeah, so it, it was, was like, yeah, I'm sure they're not going to turn this over. So I turned over anyway. <laughs> Just one of those uh, those crazy things that happens when you're not looking. I mean, I'm still glad I was watching the Cardinals game because, especially through the first, you know, first quarter was spectacular first three quarters overall were brilliant and then it kind of sort of maybe fell apart a little bit in the final quarter. I'm not going to say that because like three quarters of complete dominance over them you know eventually they got a score anyway aren't they so I'm not too disappointed. Yeah it's not like they have a terrible team or anything like that so they were going to get there and I should say as well you know I mean I thought it was quite I guess gentlemanly of Ron Rivera to, to not you know, bother with the clock chicaner at the end of like calling all of his timeouts and forcing people to wait around um, while we got the clock going again and things like that. Yeah, I, I thought that was a bit of a weird thing, like when it happened live, but obviously you understand why at the end. It's unlikely they were going to score once, let alone twice. So why bother even trying? It's it's not, yeah, it's not them giving up. It's them just like letting it go gracefully, I guess you would say. I'm sure some players were probably like a bit annoyed at him for it, but you know, they spent like three quarters of the game plus like 10 minutes or so of the fourth quarter doing completely nothing against the Cardinals' defense. Yeah, then they finally get it going. Yeah, we've got to score two touchdowns, aren't we, and two two point conversions in like two minutes. Yeah, I think I think by the time the Cardinals got the ball back, you know, it, it was really just a case of like, okay, we've we've stopped you now, the momentum's gone, let's just behave. Should we move on to another positive? Yeah, go on. Although DeAndre Hopkins wasn't as spectacular as he was last week, he still got his first of many, hopefully, touchdowns in a Cardinals uniform. I mean, it, it was a good touchdown, right? It was like, um, uh, obviously, a bit of a goof on, on Washington's defense. You know, I would say that it was a pretty convincing overall touchdown and definitely well-deserved after his performance last week. And, you know, it's not like he wasn't around this week. No, I mean, he still had plenty of catches and he still did his job. With two occasions, the touchdown, and then also, I think it was a third down conversion, where they left him completely wide open. Like, no one deserves to win a football game if you're leaving a guy like him wide open. It's uh, They had that a few times, actually, where Kyler was really going for, like, a big, deep pass, and there was, you know, DeAndre Hopkins open in the field, or Fitzgerald open in the field, and it's like, oh, you know, like, if there was ever a complaint, it would be like, you know, let's let's make sure that, you know, we can get these safe passes done rather than always kind of going for the big ball. But at the end of the day, I think um, the reason that Hopkins didn't get as many catches was because all of the other receivers were able to step up and make sure they were open more often. You know, I think at the end of the day, there was eight Cardinals that were targeted and seven of them caught passes. Yeah, even Christian Kirk managed it this week. Yeah, exactly makes up for last week at least <laughs> yeah he did actually he had some good catches this week and definitely it makes up for his uh his missed catch last week and i'm sure i saw as well with hopkins with his 20 plus catches in his first two games he's the first receiver in nfl history to do that with a new team yeah i mean uh, i that wouldn't surprise me at all i mean he's just featured so heavily in this offense from the minute he got here you know it's obviously as we said it's not you know, it's not continued on the momentum from San Francisco of the, the sheer number of targets, but he's constantly in there. He's constantly in packages, especially around the goal line. He looks like he's, you know, a top level read in all those situations. So I think it's kind of like, 
of course, he's leading in that kind of stat because this has been an incredible coming out of the gate for him. Like we were saying earlier about Kyle Murray being an exciting player to watch. I think Hopkins is as well, just after watching playing the game. It's just a joy to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's the same thing we said about Kyler. It's like any time he gets the ball, um, you just know he's going to do something good with it. And he's always adding yards onto the end of his catches. He always, he's always very aware of where he is in the football field. And I think, you know, just the, the longer he's around, the better, frankly. My goodness, was he worth the trade? And my goodness, was he worth the salary? Before we move on from Hopkins, I, I just want to say, like, as another positive, and it's not necessarily related to the game, how nice is it to see um, Hopkins and Fitzgerald be, being all buddies, you know? It's it's just so cool. I mean, why wouldn't you be? Because, like, Larry's, like, the greatest of all time. Hopkins is, like, the best in the game at the moment. It's just one of those situations where it's like, you know, I, I really hope that that relationship continues to flourish, and I hope that Fitzgerald can continue to you know, mentor DeAndre Hopkins as, as much as, you know, somebody needs a mentor when they're ab- absolutely at the top of their game. But it, it's the kind of thing that I think makes a big difference to somebody over the the course of their career. And if, you know, if you've got somebody with as long a career as Larry Fitzgerald, he will have picked up quite a few um, nuggets of wisdom, shall we say, along the time. And I think it'd be a bit wrong to call him a mentor to Hopkins as well, because it's not like Hopkins is like some wild guy, is he? He's like, proper down-to-earth guy it seems but i do i would say that everyone needs a mentor of some kind and you know whether even if that you know the mentorship doesn't have to be uh you know a huge world changing thing it can just be a case of like hey you know you're me like 10 years ago or whatever uh let's you know let's discuss like what you can do to maximize yourself now larry probably wishes he had hopkins's dreads like 10 years ago though (laughs) they're quite spectacular aren't they we move on to our next positive from this game and that's the defense and did you know that the cardinals lead the nfl in third down defense this year i actually didn't i mean now that you've said it i'm here going like yeah okay we were we were stopping washington i think they didn't have a proper third down until like the second or third quarter uh, they didn't convert a third down, sorry. And um, same with San Francisco. We held them to like two third down conversions, I think. I think I saw the stat earlier. It's like five conversions out of 18 attempts so far this season that we faced. That is crazy. And do you know what the best thing as well is like... It's like that's not even a third, is it? it? It's not. I mean, and, and that's the thing as well is like, if um, if we've got to 18 third down conversions that have been played against us, that means we're getting people to third down a lot as well. Yeah, especially through two games, that is, as well. To think that we were, you know, on here last year complaining in the games that we lost about the fact that we just we just couldn't, you know, get off the field on defense. We were just really struggling. We weren't able to... People were converting third downs against us left, right, and center. Especially, like, third and long sort of thing, like third and 20-odd. You know, it was just like... It, was, it really was something like that, wasn't it? It was just like we were constantly ready for somebody to... to pull off a like miraculous conversion to stay on the field against us and and obviously you know third down conversions don't equal points but you know it was keeping their offense on the field and that's really i think what was killing us i always think that's underrated about third down conversions is when you get one as an offense you instantly get a new burst of energy because you've made it you've got your new set of downs you get to stay out you're not losing it if you lose one as a defense you just feel totally gassed about it you know you're like i've just tried really hard i've tried really hard and it's not working and especially third down you know um is is a big example of that because you you know 
you sort of see it as your chance. You're like one more stop and they don't make it. And, you know, that that really tires out a defense if they're not getting it. You're also able to outsack Washington in this game. We had a, a bit of a mixed bag on, uh, like, players who were sacking as well. Yeah, I think Jordan Phillips had one. Hassan Redick had one, didn't he? Uh, I want to say I at least heard his name at some point during the game, so I'm assuming that's why. He did something that's just a positive in itself. Yeah, I would agree with that. In three of their last four games, the Cardinals' defense has held their opponents to under 20 points, or rather 20 points or less. I mean, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty exciting, especially, you know, I mean, I know our, our defense last year were, were kind of getting it together, I guess you could say, by the end of the season. And, you know, this year, obviously, you know, much, much better on the go. But I think when you consider that one of the teams that we've held to 20 points or less was in the most recent Super Bowl, that that stat becomes really much more uh, interesting. I suppose we have to give some credit to Devondre Campbell, who just seemed to be everywhere in this game. Oh, yeah, just all over the place, wasn't he? He did a great job covering Logan Thomas several occasions, I noticed. Yeah. And like that's not easy to do when he's like 6'6", 280-odd pounds. I mean, it's just being able to kind of get in and around in and around players like that. And also, he managed to do all that without drawing, I think, any flags. No, that- In a game where we saw flags flying left, right, and center for um, weird pass interferences and holdings. Yeah, I don't think he had one. Which you know can't complain. Of. I you know I, I, it's just one of those things that happens if you're covering a player who's much physically larger than you. That's when you draw flags all the time because you you kind of <laughs> you almost need to climb on them to get things done. Also, we managed to shut Washington out for three quarters, only allowing a fourth quarter touchdown, which was on a short run. It was actually quite well into the fourth quarter as well, wasn't it that they scored? Yeah, it was deep into it. So we can go back to the point I was going to make earlier. Obviously, we went in at halftime, didn't we? 20 nil up. Yeah. And then we came out of the second half a bit sluggishly. We did. Pe- people were starting to say, like, oh, no, the momentum's going to go to Washington now. They're going to score. And, like, the third quarter, they got three points, didn't they? And people were like, oh, yeah, it's changing now. They're going to come back into this. It's like, no, they're not. You've yeah. seen how much they've done so far. It's like, what makes you think something's going to change right now? The thing that you're forgetting there is that this is the cardiac cards. You know, <laughs> the, I, I never consider a game won until the final whistle's gone, even if, like this game, we were 15 points up. I mean, that is fair to say, but, like, they're just on and on, like, saying, oh, yeah, the momentum's gone now. It's Washington's game to win. It's like, no, it's not. People were just looking for something fun to talk about to be honest you know it's a in a way you know a game like that is really fun to watch as a cardinals fan and you know especially if you're looking for individual plays and players like kyler murray or anything like that but at no point objectively was this a close game at no point was this a game which was gonna go either way you know as soon as the the sort of like middle of the first quarter was gone it was like yeah this is this is arizona's game yeah, I mean, they offered nothing really going on off. I mean, they had Terry McLaurin. He had a good, like a decent game. Yeah. 100 odd yards receiving, most of that on Patrick Peterson, which obviously will get onto a negative for that. Yeah. Uh, another positive I've got down here is Zane Gonzalez, who managed to be three out of three on field goals. This this leads me to the, the Zane Gonzalez theory of 2020. He will be able to hit any field goal that means nothing. But when he 
like it does mean something they'll completely miss it yeah so far i mean i know we're only two games in but so far in 2020 that holds true so i'm going to keep an eye on whether Zane Gonzalez makes a field goal that actually means anything um, next week. Why can't he be like Harrison Butker of the Kansas City Chiefs? Oh, man. He just yeah. nailed like three back-to-back-to-back 58 yards in overtime to win the game. I mean, that being said, the the kicks that Zane Gonzalez made, they weren't exactly gimmies. No, I think he did hit one from 50-plus, which, you know, miracle in itself sometimes. I guess that's maybe like a more of a comment, I guess, on the offense as a whole, and that's like... You know, once we get into that 20-yard range, I think it's far more likely that we're going to score a touchdown. You know, the, the kicks that we've been getting are when we've been stopped, you know, so far from so far from the red zone that we're not attempting to go for a touchdown. Our last positive from this game I've got down is Andy Isabella. You know, we don't actually talk about him too much, so for once we actually can. Yeah. And I was surprised to see earlier today that, obviously we don't put too much into Pro Football Focus's random number generator, but for some reason, Andy Isabella led team in PFF rating, which I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I I am highly skeptical as to why that would be. It's very strange. I mean, I suppose uh, Pro Football Focus does normalize their data to a certain amount, you know, and it's like, how good is that player's performance for that player? How good is that player's performance per target? you know, um, per situation that they could have had a target and were able to catch the ball and all of that stuff. But considering that that's him now on 10 career catches um, when uh, DeAndre Hopkins has, uh, you know, twice that in two games, it's interesting to see that he is leading the team, put it that way. But of those 10 career catches, three of them have been for 50-plus yards. And three of them have been absolutely spectacular. He's had two 50-plus yard ones and then... He had his 88-yard touchdown run, didn't he? That was insane, yeah. We just need to see more of that, damn it, Cliff. You know, Cliff Kingsbury's been dialing up some interesting plays. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Andy Isabella out there. And even if he just becomes a player who is used in these really specific situations, you put a guy deep and you see if he can get away from his man. And if he does, then, you know, you're getting a big chunk play. Um, I'm into having somebody like that on the squad. Hashtag free Isabella. (laughs) <laughs> uh what is it uh, isabella necessary on a bike there you go we'll just move to on some negatives from this game and i've not really got any written down but i'm sure there are some because it wasn't a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination yeah i mean we've kind of covered a little bit my my kind of negative i guess would be that as the game wore on you know towards the end of that quarter i think we were letting things go a bit easier than they could have been I think there's a few plays that we could have stopped, um, you know, would have been earlier in the game. But I also understand that, you know, defense gets tired. And also we were kind of, you start holding back a little bit. You start putting a bit less pressure on when you're, you know, so far ahead for so long. And I just think that we could have, we could have finished with a stronger score and we would have been in absolutely no danger by the end of the game. Whereas with with the end of game that we had, there was always the chance that somebody could come back from that. I think penalties as well, that's one negative that we've had from both games so far this season. There just seems to be 
a fair few of them. I would argue that there's not any more than any other full game that I've watched. It feels worse when it's the Cardinals for sure, and I notice it, especially when it's something like Kyler Murray's just run into the end zone. God damn, we have a hold on, we, you know, we've got a hold on somebody that's totally unnecessary and it's just that's it being brought back you know just basically shooting themselves in the foot it really is but i mean it's hard to be too negative about it in a game when realistically we didn't lose out on anything to penalties i think every time we got a penalty we were then able to then convert the third down we were able to at least get a field goal we were able to go on and score the touchdown you know there was nothing that was like man this game would have been so different if it wasn't for that penalty and to be fair, of the two teams, Washington were probably hurt by the penalties far more than we were. I think as well as a negative, we could probably say how slowly we're coming out of the second half. Like, you were already 20 nothing up, and you get the ball back. That's a perfect opportunity to, like, extend your lead further, put the game to bed. But it just didn't, did they? Yeah, 100% agree with that. I think, you know, it, it's a shame because if you did it in a different order, you know, if you had your like the the burst of energy that we got kind of like late late third quarter early fourth quarter if we had that at the start of the third quarter then you know everybody could have just coasted on until the end like if we'd managed to put another seven on the board or even another three you know we make it a a three score game a four score game and it, it becomes just a totally different ball game and so we'll follow on from these negatives into the negatives of fantasy football this week Oh, Tom. Which I don't really want to talk about. Tom, Tom, Tom. Please tell me you at least got a win on the uh, in the Bird Gang Bowl just to make it all better. Sadly not. It was a disastrous week in fantasy football for me throughout all five of my teams. All of them lost. It's just terrible shit. <laughs> it just didn't go well for you at all. We'll get on to our game shortly, but how how was the Bird Gang Bowl for you? What happened there? I mean, I'd rather we didn't talk about our game. But I think we're going to talk about our game. That's... I could just edit it out of the final copy. It'll be fine. Uh, okay, okay. I'll, I'll make sure and set out my own recording. Uh, well, anyway, in the Bird Gang Bowl, I was blown out by nearly 50 points. And now I've got Christian McCaffrey out, George Kittles out. You know, what a lovely start to the season. Oh, ouch. It's, uh, I, to, to be fair, I've got both the same players um, and I'm going to really, really struggle to uh, to replace them. And in a way, I'm now looking at a trade offer that I had for George Kittle like two weeks ago going like, oh, oh maybe I should have taken that. Maybe you should offer it again, see if they'll take it. You never know. I mean, it depends when somebody needs something now or whether they are able to hold on to it later. But um that's that's a tough one to lose those guys. Thankfully, it didn't matter for me because I was able to win without them. Actually, putting up one hundred eighty nine point five points uh, versus Ben's Buddha Woulda Coulda, uh, who only scored one hundred and fifty one hundred forty five point five six. Um, so I think that was quite a strong win for me um, overall. Definitely helped by uh, Christian McCaffrey and uh, and Kettle now. You know, putting up points before they left. Does that make you two and out now? That makes me two and zero in the bird gang ball, and I think I'm, I think I'm only second in the league there due to points scored. I assume due to points scored, yeah. But we'll move on to the bird gang dynasty league, and we can quickly skirt over this one because it's not really worth talking about, if you ask me. I mean, Tom, you were getting your, I think you were getting your excuse, excuses in as early as last week's podcast, but 
That being said, I'm just going to gloat for a little bit over this because I won 185.62 to 159.5, which I was pretty pleased about, i got to say. It didn't help matters when I had two players scoring nothing and Naeem Hines scored far less than he did last week and also had a few points on the bench to make it maybe a little bit closer. But, you know, I will say that one of the players that were who scored nothing was James White of the New England Patriots. And obviously, I'm sure you've seen the story of why he was inactive. Yeah, that's, that was a real shame, I've got to say. I mean, it's also something you just couldn't have planned for at all. Yeah, I mean, I was going to lose anyway, so it doesn't make too much of a difference. But, you know, there's more to life than fantasy football people. Remember that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that being said, I still won. I still dunked on you with Alvin Kamara scoring nearly 40 points and with Melvin Gordon doing not too shabbily as well. So um, I will take it. I will take that win. I'm now 2-0 in both leagues, and uh, I don't think that's ever happened. I mean, I'm just blaming injuries for it, because, you know, I had, like, I think I had both of my starting running backs out, both of my starting wide receivers out, and then that was it, basically. Kind of screwed, because I've got zero depth in the team, because they were also injured. <laughs> that's the thing as well as like in, in uh, dynasty leagues it's just such a different beast when it comes to things like that oh well i'm owing two so you know maybe i'll get a wooden spoon to go to my trophy collection from last year if it carries on like this speaking of things i'm winning um for the first time ever as well i am leading the british bird gang's weekly pick'em league um uh, because i managed to score 14 points last week as well as uh, scoring 15 points the week before yeah i did notice last night that someone had scored 15 Obviously, they got the Monday Night Football game wrong. Yeah. So unlucky them. They'll know who they are if they listen to the podcast. I'm also, I should point out, number two on the Arizona Cardinals official and number 24 on the UK whiteboard. So I'm feeling pretty good. You never know. You might win prize if you keep this up. Technically, it's the worldwide board, but we'll we'll see. So I'm I'm marginally ahead of you still after two weeks, Tom. And now we've got the the week three selections to get in. I mean, we should mention that I scored thirteen points. You know, that wasn't bad from a sixteen game slate. Would just like to say that I'm ahead of you. That's the main thing. It's just not my year this year for anything. You know, it's just twenty twenty <laughs> all over. 2020, the year that things went crazy. The Cardinals are are winning record winning games. Callum is winning at fantasy football, so uh, the world is, has gone nuts. What do we need for the third sign of the apocalypse? Will you manage to get a third presenter on the show? No, nah, we don't want that. It'd take too much effort. <laughs> and plus, this weekly selection thing will go on forever if you had to describe everything. So to go with the same picks we've got this week, we've got Jacksonville over Miami. Buffalo over the LA Rams, which I think is a really tough one to pick from. That was a tough, tough call, yeah. I like how we've both gone for the division rival losing, though. Oh, yeah, of course, naturally. But I did see a record. I think it was that Sean McVeigh's undefeated on the East Coast since taking over or something like that. Yeah, I guess they don't play the East Coast that much. But yeah, fair enough. Tennessee over Minnesota. New England over the Las Vegas Raiders. The San Francisco 49ers over the New York Giants in the Injury Bowl. Oh, no. Philadelphia over Cincinnati. Pittsburgh over Houston, joining a 99% sing Indianapolis to beat the New York Jets. Yeah, it's hard to go against in the year, isn't it? I don't think I've ever seen a 99% prediction. It just goes to show the state the Jets are in. The LA Chargers over Carolina, Tampa Bay over Denver, and another tough one in Dallas over Seattle. Yeah, 
interesting that we both again chose the division rival to lose there. Yeah, I mean, I think that this that one was a was a real tough one. I I spent ages delivering deliberating over both Buffalo um, and Dallas to win, but I just thought it was hard to vote against Dallas after the display they put on in the last like twelve minutes of that game. So I think um, you know at this point I will be. Uh, I'd be shocked if they weren't able to to carry over something, you know, whatever clicked in the team then into that game. You did give up 39 points, though, and Seattle have been scoring pretty well so far this season. They, they did, but I, I think this will be like a, uh, like a New Orleans game. This is going to be a high scorer. It's going to be an exciting game, actually, I think. Plus, you know, who wants the Seahawks to win? Exactly, no one. Well, we've got a few more differences this week. Um, with the first being Chicago versus Atlanta, you've got uh, you're going for Atlanta, right? I am, yes. Which I think is the sensible option. But I'm going with. Did you know Chicago is zero and two? Is two and zero? Sorry, this year they're like one of the most quietest two and zero teams. To be fair, one of those was against the Jets, and the other one was against the Vikings. I want to say. I know you've definitely played the Jets, but you know. That should be a gimme for anyone this year. I was going to say, so it's it's like at least one of them is a gimme, but my my thought was, I was just looking at it, I was like, I kind of like Chicago to win this. I think this would be a fun one. I think they're at home for it as well. And, you know, Atlanta is just, uh, admittedly, Atlanta will be going into this game angry. You know, I, th- I think it'd be, it'd be a nice little upset to see, so I went with Chicago. I just think Atlanta have got too much on offense for them, at least in the passing game. I can't see Mitch Trubisky keeping up with that. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, The second difference was Washington versus Cleveland. And this was another one that I was torn on to begin with as well, because just looking at the state of Cleveland's offensive line against that Washington D-line, However, I still went with Cleveland. You, you've gone with Cleveland. I went with Washington because Washington, you know, they won one game against Philly, who are in a little bit of a shambles right now. But they, they came back really strong from being 17 points down and they showed a really good game. And I will say that the game that Washington lost was against one of the best teams in the NFL right now. So, you know, it would have looked worse for them. Um. I mean, you should be saying the best team in the NFL right now. One of the best teams in the NFL right now is what I meant. Like the best team. Well, they're two and zero. You know, they're they are they are the best team right now. You know, they are undefeated this season. So, um, yeah, it's hard to say that um, that that Washington. I I think we just made them look bad, frankly. So I don't think that there's any chance they're going in there to beat Cleveland. Third difference this week is Green Bay versus New Orleans. And I've decided to go full Green Bay. You've decided the opposite. Do you know, I think this was off the back of Green Bay struggling against the Vikings in Green Bay. But that being said, I'm now looking back on it and I'm thinking they put up some massive numbers against the Lions. And then they, they put up some, they still won against the Vikings. So I would maybe reconsider this, but also, you know, New Orleans is New Orleans. It's still, you know, it's, it's a, a Drew Brees led team and, um, they always score really highly. So if it comes down to a shootout, you know, I don't doubt that New Orleans can put 40 plus points up on the board, especially if the Lions could put up like 35. Although the New Orleans Saints did lose to Las Vegas last night. They did. And they struggled against Tampa Bay a little bit until like the fourth quarter. And our last difference this week is probably the toughest game of this week. Kansas City against Baltimore. How do you pick between these two for this game, right? It's mental. I mean, I mean, I did have Kansas City going for it 
because I saw a stat this week where Patrick Mahomes is nine and zero in the month of September. That's yeah, okay, okay. That's quite spectacular, given that you know, given his uh, the length of his career so far. I mean, I did go with Baltimore in the end though, because I just think you know, Kansas City were held pretty much in check by the Chargers last weekend. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And no one seems to be able to contain Baltimore so far. Do you know how I picked between the two? Did you do a coin flip? I did a coin flip. I just, I there was no way that I was going to be able to pick one or the other. It was like Patrick Mahomes, you know, uh, Super Bowl winning quarterback uh, with an excellent offense. You know, Travis Kelsey, uh, as you said, they maybe had a bit of trouble last week, but equally... Um, you know, they did come out on top in the end and that's all that matters in, in, you know, the stat line. But we've also got Baltimore who, you know, with under Lamar Jackson have just been unstoppable. I mean, I don't usually stay up for games which aren't the Cardinals, but I'm really tempted to do it for this one. Yeah, I, I it's really, really high up on my list as well, actually. I'm looking at it going like, oh, that's going to be a good one. So, yeah, that's definitely... um definitely on my list we'll see how tired i am next week exactly it could be a tired recording next week so you've been warned. absolutely you've been warned in advance <laughs> well actually speaking of next week should we get on to our game preview we should do because it's nearly an hour long so far this recording and you know we missed what boris johnson's got to say probably for a good thing but you know yeah yeah but yes on to non-political stuff we've got week three against the detroit lions Another 9.25pm kickoff for us, which we can't complain at. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, like, this is one of those nice things, especially um, sort of early on in the season. It's, it's just like, yeah, I'll take a 9.25 kickoff. No bother, I'll be in my bed by, like, half one or something like that. Be, like, golden. It's practically a normal day on Monday. But, I mean, like, you probably won't sleep anyway if Kyle Murray's been doing his thing again. It's true. I did go to bed quite excited <laughs> on Monday morning there, just like... Ah, that was such a good game. And I suspect that I will be quite excited this Monday morning as well because, I mean, before we even get to predictions, which is miles away yet, you know, I to me, I see this game as a win coming up. Yeah, I mean, it's another year, another Detroit Lions game since 2012. There's only been one year where the two haven't actually played each other, and that was 2016. Which is pretty crazy when you consider the way that the draws work. But, um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's funny, and um, you know, last year, first game of Kyle Murray's career, I believe we we had them at home, and it was a tie. Yeah, we had the twenty seven twenty seven tie last year to remember, where we had our like the weird stat line for the rest of the season to deal with. Detroit lead the 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 series all time, thirty three twenty eight six. So actually, you know. That's not an insurmountable lead like a lot of the ones that the Cardinals have. And I mean, I'm pretty sure that's closed down quite a fair bit since like these past six years. Like that we've played them every year because we've won pretty much all of them, I think. We've won a lot of them for sure because the Lions have just, you know, they're going through um, a rough patch that's lasted approximately 15 years at this point. And they, they come into this game 0-2 after losses to Chicago and Green Bay who decimated them last week, 42-21. Fair to say this is pretty much a must-win game for them if they hope to do anything this season. If you're a Lions fan, you're looking at this, you're looking at the schedule and you're thinking, oh, please don't send me to another 0-16 season. I mean, I don't think it'll be that bad because, you know, they've actually got some talent on offense. It's just looking at their defense, 
nothing really stands out. Yeah, I mean, this is the same lion. Well, the, the same Lions team. This is the Lions who, you know, five years ago were looking like a really, really strong defensive line led by Indomitong Su. And ever since they let go of him, it's really been a, a kind of downhill struggle from there. And I can't say there's anything that's popped out to me so far this year that would suggest that their defense is going to be, you know, anything to worry about. No, I mean, looking at the just the depth chart, really, the only names that really stood out was Jeff Akuda, who was their first round pick in this year's draft. But I think he's been hampered by a hamstring issue. So it's not even sure if he'll play yet. He's been sort of in and out, but he's also, uh, I think, on the he's questionable at the moment. Um, and I'm sure we'll hear news about that as soon as the podcast is finished recording. But, um, you know, regardless, I don't think that, you know, one guy like that's going to make a, a huge difference overall. And I remember they paid a lot of money to Trey Flowers, a big money defensive lineman. But since he signed, I don't really remember him doing anything. It's funny, it's when you say the name, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. What's he done since then? Oh, nothing. Not that I can remember anyway. But I mean, it's a completely different kettle of fish on the offense, though. Absolutely, yeah. Got plenty to worry about on that side of the ball. Uh, yeah, but not only uh, new signings, but guys who've been there forever. I mean, you've written here Matt Stafford, and I absolutely agree with you that he is underrated, and he can do a lot with the ball in, in the right circumstances. Yeah, he's got a decent pair of wide receivers in Kenny Golladay and Marvin Jones. Although Golladay has missed the first two weeks, but they do believe he'll be back for this game. So that's something we'll have to worry with. Yeah, and when you've got the pair of wide receivers, you know, that's that's one of the things that as the Cardinals we can, you know, we can kind of set up and take notice of at the moment because again, you know, that cornerback two position, we're on, you know, um cornerback well, we 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 have been through the depth chart already um, before the season even started, and and you know we've always had issues at cornerback too. So when somebody's got two wide receivers that they can pair together, it means that you know we're probably going to give up more yards than we might have if they had one really good wide receiver and then a rotating cast of others. Also, last year's high round pick T.J. Hawkinson's a decent tight end. Definitely yep. getting better with each week, it seems. And he's got that, you know, the kind of more modern tight end thing, or at least the current trend for tight ends where he does have that good pass-catching ability, but he is an extremely good blocker as well. And also, speaking of blocking in their backfield, they've got Adrian Peterson, Kerryon Johnson, and DeAndre Swift in their backfield. Which is a pretty big triple right there, you know. And, you know, some of the plays that we were giving up to most for um, two weeks ago, you know. And, yeah, it, it does make me... And actually, again, you know, probably the player who, who scored against us most this week was a running back as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's something to watch out for, for sure. Do you think we'll be able to contain them all? That's the question, though. I think, you know... It, that's the thing we've got uh, we've got a lot of um a lot of offense on the go here and but we were also able to hold two quite good offenses to quite a small score you know so hold them to under 20 um the past two weeks so i guess the question is almost like do you think this lions offense is better than for instance the 49ers offense and i think the answer is no i think it is you think it's better than the 49ers offense of two weeks ago? Well, it's got a better quarterback to begin with. Jimmy G's pretty good, though. I mean... Nah, nah, I don't rate him at all. You don't rate... I've, I've always I've always thought Jimmy G was, um, was underrated for sure. But, I mean, 
So, so you think? Do you think that the the Lions are going to put up big numbers here? I don't think they'll put up big numbers, but I think they might put our like twenty point defense record under a bit of threat. Okay. Should we go for some predictions? Yeah, why not? Actually, if we're if we're already going to be starting to predict how well their their offense did, well, I'll I'll start us off, and I'm going to say that we're going to hold the Lions to two t- two touchdowns. Um, so I'm going to give them fourteen points. Um, and I'm going to give the Cardinals. Let's say thirty-one. Okay, so you think it'll be quite a big victory, I suppose, fourteen points. I mean, I'm just uh, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking like, I well, actually, do you know what? Let's give the Lions seventeen because we'll give them a field goal there as well. But I think you know just the fact that we've managed to stop so many third downs, we've managed to have so many stops in our own territory. I th- I think it'd be really nice to be holding them to a lot more punts. I can see that. Yeah, my prediction. I'm going to go with. Arizona 30, Detroit 20, so we can keep that 20 points or less thing going on. <laughs> You're going to give them exactly 20 points. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I can see it happening because yeah. you've got decent weapons, you know, just takes a couple of bad matchups and you'll maybe exploit that. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with you. I would like to score more than 30 points on them, though, to be fair. It, it would be nice to, like, really, really get a solid victory um, on the go as well and just, you know, uh, even if it's against the Lions, just it would be one more thing to prove that Kyler Murray is not a bust. And we can also get the MVP chance going, although there'll be no yeah, ex- crowd to do it. No, but they can maybe try it over the over the fake crowd noise. You know, like um, like uh, Philly got booed by their own fans over the fake crowd noise. You know, maybe we can actually get an MVP chant of some kind going on. If not, we'll just have to do it next week's episode. Yeah. But yes, that's week. That's the end of this week's episode of the British Bird Gang Breakdown. As always, if you're not following us on Twitter, go follow us at British Bird Gang. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash British Bird Gang. And join the group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash British Bird Gang. Buy British Bird Gang merch at britishbirdgang.tmail.com. And of course, get your British Bird Gang magnets while you still can. <laughs> 2 0 since we started selling them. so It's absolutely true. We're unbeaten since the magnets went on sale. You can't argue with that, it's science. So yes, make sure you get your order in before in the luck runs up. Well, I guess that's it from us this week. And, um, you know, we will go find out what kind of fresh lockdown we're under, I guess. Can't wait. It'd just be more American football to watch. Hooray. <laughs> Until then, um, thanks for listening. Yep, thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.